Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. Well, it's good to be with everyone today. And for those of you that are joining online uh, via the live stream, welcome. We're glad that you're here as we continue in our series, How Faith Works. And we're going through this journey of uh, James's letter to some Christians. And uh, we've learned a lot of practical wisdom so far. And we're going to continue to learn as we go through the book. And James is going to use his style uh, again and again. And it is a tell it like it is style, isn't it? I mean, he, he just tells you the way it is. He doesn't leave you going, hmm, I wonder what James is trying to say here. Now, he, he, he is not shy about how a devoted Christ follower is to think, how they're to live, and how they're to speak. He just lets us know. And if I had to give a title to James's letter, it would be this, for God's people to act like God's people. Right? That, that one stings. And James, uh, it, his words so far seem like they align with other parts of Scripture. But today, you're going to feel the tension of like, wait a minute. He's saying some things that seem to say the opposite in other parts of Scripture. So you're going to feel this tension of like one word and the other word, and they seem to be contrasting. And it's going to cause you to feel something emotionally. Like when you see the words jumbo shrimp, right? <laughs> right? Or, hey, act naturally. Well, which one is it? Working vacation. So what are you going to do? Sweet sorrow, right? These are words that don't seem to go together, but they actually do. And we're going to see that in our passage today because... James is going to say some things that seem like they uh, or appear to contradict other parts of Scripture. You're going to feel tension, so why don't we just step right into that tension and get started right now. We're in chapter 2 again, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? And I wonder what the room was like when James, uh, when somebody read James's letter for the very first time and somebody heard it because he's speaking to Christians. He says, brothers and sisters. And so these are people who place their faith in Jesus and they had to be jolted to attention when he says, can such a faith save you? And we know when we look at the original Greek James constructed that question in a way that expected a negative answer. Can such a faith save you? James is like, no. What we can tell from James's letter, especially this part, is he's addressing some situation where people are claiming to have faith, but they feel God is absolutely fine that it's a faith intellectually, maybe just words, and that there is nothing in their life to show for it. And so James asked that question and worded it in such a way, can such a faith like that save you? Now remember from week one when Donnie was teaching us this letter, who it's written to. 
These are believers who were going through trials and suffering, and they were going to continue to go through trials and suffering. And so James here is like, hey, a shallow faith is not going to get you through these difficult times. What good is a faith that doesn't act? And so here he's trying to make a point in our scripture. I'm going to give it to you right up front. It's the big idea all the way through here. Here's James' point. Genuine faith produces good works. Just because we hear the word faith doesn't mean that it's connected to a trust in Jesus Christ. Faith is a vague word. It can mean so many different things. For some, it can mean that it's a faith that is connected to an energy or an experience or a feeling. But then somebody may use the word faith and it may be in somebody else or their faith may be in themselves because really their faith is all about I have everything that I need to take care of every circumstance that comes at me. I just have to believe and have faith in that. And so faith can mean so many different things. It can be interpreted and applied in so many different ways. And so James is talking to people who, as Dom said, talked the talk, but they have no walk. And he's addressing that here. And he says, what good is that? Because talk is cheap. Genuine faith produces good works. And then James goes on to paint this picture of what an actionless faith would look like. Let's pick it up in verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What you're going to see James do, he's going to do this several times as I read the scriptures. Same thing every time. He gives, he hits them with a situation, and then he has one sentence that he wants them to learn. He's teaching them, hey, if you want to catch the point, it's the last thing that I said. And he does that here. He calls them first, imagine that a brother or sister in Christ, another believer, comes to you, and they are in a dire, desperate situation. It's freezing outside. They have no means to put clothes on themselves. They're starving. So they have no extra, extra capacity like I do here to keep them warm when it's cold or to give them fat stores when they're starving. They have no means to take care of themselves physically. And James says, imagine that person is before you and you respond in this way. And the way he phrased it, was a common blessing of the day. So this phrase, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, is something people would say as someone was leaving their home. For us, think about hearing it this way. Hey, I want you to take care of yourself. Be really sure to look after yourself, okay? God, take care of them because I don't have time. As I told James, he goes right at it. And reading James's story here, and maybe you know other parts of scripture, I, I thought of Jesus's story about the Good Samaritan, right? That was a case where there were people who were claiming to follow God, 
And when they came upon somebody who had a need, they kind of walked around that so they didn't have to address it. And then all of a sudden, a good Samaritan comes and he takes care of the needs before him. And that picture is a perfect picture of what mercy looks like. And if you remember, last week, Dom ended with verse 13. We're in 14. He ended with verse 13 that says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And then right here in 14, James is going right at it and said, hey, you want to know what uh, having a faith with no actions and is mercy less? <laughs> Here's the story. And so he follows it up with that. And then his last point, which is his teaching point to them and to us, is this. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He ends with that teaching point. And then you, you may think, well, wait, is James the only one with this view on faith? Let me, let me throw out the apostle John. Listen to his words. They may sound familiar. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And I think James would say, I don't think it is. Because how can you love Jesus and not take care of people? That's an actionless faith, which is dead, James would say. It's a genuine faith byproduct. It produces good works. Now, I need to warn all of us, myself included. We see that genuine faith produces good works, and we start to think, pass a filter through. We think of people, and we're like, okay, and you start comparing and contrasting the faith of people you know. Don't. Keep it right on yourselves. James is trying to have us look at ourselves and ask questions like, is my faith evident in my actions? Because genuine faith works, is what James would be saying. You're like, okay, James and John, they may say it, but Rob, we got a problem here. And I knew it, so I'm going to just put it up. James is saying something different than Paul is what we're feeling, right? Well, here's what James says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. But then Paul says, and we'll go to Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So you're feeling it. You're like, one is saying righteousness is not by faith alone. The other one's saying that righteousness is by faith, not by works. So which is it? And if we're not careful, we can live verses like this. And all of a sudden, we can easily arrive at the point where we say, you know what? James and Paul differ in their understanding and their teaching of the gospel. But I can assure you that that is not true. And hopefully you'll see that as we go along in, in the rest of the letter today. But if you study scripture for yourself, you see that what they're doing is they're defending the very same gospel. They're writing about the gospel. They're defending this gospel. 
But here's the thing, they're doing it from two different viewpoints and they're addressing two different problems. And so I wanna help us see what, what's going on here. As far as problems, Paul is addressing the false idea that you must earn your salvation. It's faith plus works. Why is he saying that? Because he was writing to people who were Jews and were saying, hey, have your faith, but by the way, there's ceremonial law like circumcision and these other things. And if you want to be right with God, if your position with God is to be right, then it's by faith and some specific works. And so that's why Paul, he's addressing that problem. James is addressing something completely different. It's this attitude of an easy beliefism, if that's even a word. It's this easy beliefism that's an intellectual understanding of Jesus Christ. And it's where the person thinks, you know what? God's just fine with my belief in Jesus Christ. And it, there's nothing else that he cares. It doesn't matter how my faith plays out practically. Don't, that, they don't go together. And so they're, they're attacking two different false beliefs. Those beliefs didn't go away with history. We can still see them today. They just rear their head in, in different ways. Some may say, hey, I'm good because I go to church. I volunteer. I give to charity. I tithe. That's the way that can surface these days. And then somebody may say, hey, wait a minute. Do not play that obedience card on me. That is legalism, and in Christ, it's just about my belief in Christ, so don't do that to me. Don't yoke me with that burden of legalism. And so here, James and Paul are trying to address this situation. Two different problems, but also two different viewpoints. What do you mean by that? When you look at scripture, you'll see righteousness talked about in a couple different ways. I'm going to give you two categories here. One is, is how we stand before God. Some of you may know it, your position with God. And other times you look at scripture and it's righteousness is how we live before God. And Paul and James are addressing two different viewpoints James, let's see, Paul is addressing how we stand before God. Because again, he's trying to counter that belief that, hey, it's, it's faith plus these special works. And so he's saying, no, 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 no. The truth is, is that how you stand before God, your position before God, you are set right by God the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ for him and the righteousness, his righteousness becomes your righteousness. It's not your works, it's the works of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Paul is talking about how we stand before God. And then James comes along and he's talking about something different. He's talking about a righteousness and how we live before God. Two different viewpoints here. And he's opposing that false teaching that, hey, it's an easy believism. That intellectually, that's all that matters. I believe in Jesus. And James is like, genuine faith produces. It's like a byproduct of what you believe. Is what's naturally going to happen is you're going to produce good works. 
that if a person accepts the forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ, then they will live differently is what James is saying. How you live before God is what James was getting at. And so at this point, James anticipated an objection. And you may have one too. Maybe this objection, you have this objection. And so he raises it through an imaginary person. And then he answers it. Let's go to read about this imaginary argument from an imaginary person. But someone will say, this is the imaginary person, you have faith, I have deeds. And James says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. This hypothetical person is considering, hey, works and faith are completely separate things. And so it's as if the imaginary person is saying, hey, James, you have your works. I'll have my faith and we can be religious just in different ways, okay? And James counters with, it's, it's not possible. Works are not optional when you have genuine faith. A byproduct of genuine faith, James would say, is good works. There will be good fruit in your life if you're growing in your faith. And then James does what Dom said last week. He presses on the gas pedal, right? If you were here, Dom's like, oh boy, he's going to press on the gas pedal. I think when James talked about their faith in demons, I think he kicked it into turbo mode at that point right there. Because he's, James alludes to an Old Testament passage, which they believe in. Scriptures were handed down, and so they believed in Deuteronomy 6.4 that said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so they had to be like looking at him. And what James is, a, is trying to do here is paint a picture of what genuine faith looks like. And his statement here, the first point you can get is genuine faith is more than a belief. Because he says, you believe there's a God. Well, so do demons. Is his point? Demons actually believe a lot of what, if you're in Christ, what you believe. They believe in the deity of Christ. They believe in the existence of a heaven and a hell. They believe that Christ alone saves. And so James's point here is like, you know what? Your belief intellectually, it doesn't save. It's not any different than what the demons believe. You see, saying that Jesus is a good man or Jesus is a good teacher is completely different then when somebody accepts the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins through the faith in Jesus Christ and they're learning to live their life like Jesus and help others do the same. It's completely different. And that's what James is trying to get at here. He says, even the demon shuddered. Okay, what's that mean? Well, first of all, shuddered is an action. So they acted, but, 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 but it's driven from an emotion, from a feeling of hatred or fear. So even, here's his point, genuine faith is more than just a feeling because even the demons 
felt and they shuddered before God. They had fear or hatred. So they felt when facing the truth of God. For many, feelings drive the faith. And we may know many people like this or know a person. Maybe we are this person or have been this person at times. Where on, at worship, we, we sing words of praise and we, we just feel emotionally connected to God. And then by Monday, we have forgotten him as if to like ghost him for the week. Like I said, maybe we've done that. Maybe we've been that person. And so James says, they shuddered. That's an action. But know this, it's not an action motivated by genuine faith. Because genuine faith is evidenced by obedience. Obedience to God. James is point is that if the seed of the gospel is implanted in the heart of a person, then eventually what's going to happen is that it will be evidenced. The gospel in a person's life will be evidenced by the fruit of a person's life. I think about this. I plant tomato plants from seed every winter. And so now when I go home, I'm going to go back home today and I'm going to see this green thingy with orange or red circles on it. And I'm going to know that that is a tomato plant. Why? Because I put a tomato seed in the ground and what is on the outside is evidence of what's on the inside. Well, in the same way, James is saying genuine faith produces a byproduct of that faith that produces good works. And after looking at their beliefs and talking about demons, I think James turns up the heat even more because he contrasts their faith with the genuine faith of people they love, admire, respect, grew up hearing about. James talks about two individuals that made the hall of faith. Read Hebrews 11 if you haven't. That's the hall of faith. And the writer of Hebrews just describes what one spiritual giant after another did and what they accomplished by their faith. The writer of Hebrews is talking about a faith in action. And so James, he goes to these people, Abraham and Rahab. He calls two of the greats of faith out of Hebrews 11. Their stories are captured in Genesis 15 and 22. And then Rahab is in Joshua chapter 2 and 6. We can't go into the sto- both their stories. But James pulls these greats out there. And he's like, you want more evidence about genuine faith producing good works? Oh, by the way, here are these two people that carry such great weight in your life. You love and respect them. And he talks about their faith. And what James says about Abraham is equally true for Rahab. And in verse 22, here's what James says about Abraham. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. 
I think if you have NIV translation, that's what we're using here. I think it captures it well, the original language which we get uh, working together. Um, so I like the NIV translation because the, the Greek literally means this, faith was working with or is a fellow worker <laughs> with actions. And James's point is, listen, Abraham, Rahab, and everyone else in the hall of faith, they had a faith that was obedient to God's will and his ways, and that obedience caused them to act, and that obedience caused their faith, I think it says complete, matures, grows, that a growing faith will produce good works. James and Paul agree on this. They're both believe the same thing. And you say, well, we read before that Paul, he didn't say that. I didn't see that. I purposely left off a verse of what Paul said. I gave us eight and nine, and I want to read all of Paul's words in Ephesians right now. Verse 10, I'm adding verse 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. James and Paul agree on this. James never, search the letter of James. He never says, you want to earn the favor of God? It's about works. He doesn't, he doesn't say that. James, Paul, the apostle John, and all the New Testament writers believe that genuine faith produces good works. Think about Jesus. Like, set aside this. Think about Jesus. The greatest commandment he gave us was go Love God and love others. He also said, if you're a disciple of mine, go make disciples, teaching them to obey all my ways. But think of his life. Think about Jesus' life with God the Father. That relationship, Jesus was obedient to God the Father. He did not need to come from heaven to earth for his sake, but he was obedient to the Father. In coming here, why? Because of his grace, mercy, and love for us to provide a, a way of salvation where we could stand before God and be righteous and have the power to live out his way, godly ways. Salvation isn't earned. It is a gift that we are to accept in faith. And that gift ought to move us to be obedient to the Lord's will and ways. That's what James is getting at. We ought to be different because of this gift that we received. That is the work of Jesus Christ and we're made righteous. We ought to live differently. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and I include this myself, if for those of us who have, are in Christ... An action step for us, a next step for us, one real simple one is this. Find somebody who you know very well and ask them this question. Does my life match my faith in Jesus Christ? Does my life match my faith in Jesus? Because it should. Not perfection. Hear me on it. Not perfection. Progress. 
that the more and more we're obedient to Christ, then the image of our old life ought to fade into the background. And what ought to come forward as we obey and let God transform us is our new image in Christ. But it comes through obedience. I had a bad bone in my knee that I needed help outside of myself. And so I received a piece of a bone from a donor. The surgeon went in and took a piece of that donor bone and put it, took out the bad and put in the new. Did I feel, did I see the life of that new knee? Because that person died. They died. I gained life in my knee because of what they did. Did I see evidence of that new knee right away? I didn't. I'm in the process of seeing new knee function. And how is it coming? I'm obedient to my PT. (laughs) The more and more that I'm obedient to my physical therapist, the more visible the new knee function becomes. Well, that's the same for us in Christ. That this new creation, the thing that unlocks the new life in Christ is our obedience to his will and his way. When we do that, the potential is unlocked and we grow in our faith. And the other, the most important thing is then we are able to fulfill the Lord's greatest call on us in Christ. And his greatest call on us is that we would live our lives, that God's people would live like God's people. Why? So that other people will see Jesus through you. And they'll want to go, hey, tell me more. Because I want to follow and trust in this Jesus. And we're praying that they step into that. And that they go and help others eventually find Jesus too. That is a faith that works. That's a faith that is an action, uh, a faith that drives, the motive of what's been done for us drives our action. Does my life match my faith in Jesus? Ask a good friend that question. Not so that you can pray ahead of time, Lord, help me to hear the news. Because you're one that still looks at me even when there can feel like bad news coming. Pray ahead of time because that's, the Lord wants to help you learn to follow his ways. And you know, we never want to assume that everyone present in a worship service is in Christ. All of us were searching and exploring, and maybe that's where you are today. That's fine. Keep doing that. But there are some of you that maybe today the Lord is weighing on your heart, and he's revealed to you today is the day that you need to take a step of faith that you feel him saying, this is a day about moving from a faith about believing about Jesus to placing your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And we'll say it every week, if that's you, that's why we're here, that's why all the Christ followers are here, tell somebody. That's the biggest thing. Tell somebody. Tell Pastor Dom. Tell myself or uh, go to the Next Steps table. Use the Next Steps card and say, you know what? Today, 
I went from believing about Jesus to trusting in Jesus. Because we want to celebrate with you. Genuine faith produces good works. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Convict each one of us here. Convict those of us who are in Christ. You do that in a loving way that raises the truth. And we just lean into that and help us to live your way through your word and through your power. And Lord, for those that are exploring, help them continue to have the heart of exploration and then bring them to clarity about I need to step into believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, we know you do that all the time. We pray that you do it with our church family here. And uh, through that, you'll bring glory to your name and good to your people. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at DevotedCity.com.